Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is MJ. And I'm Liz. And we're your host of Sisters in Crime. Hey guys, we've got a great case to cover today, but before we get into all of that, we will be announcing the winner of the 24-ounce Starbucks cup. Yep, we've got all the names entered into the Spin of Wheel website, and we're going to be clicking it now. So, one, two, three. Here it goes. And the winner is Hollywood. Congrats on winning the 24-ounce cup. Uh, please send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook with your address so we can drop this off at the post office ASAP. And for the Starbucks gift card winners, we will be reaching out to you directly. Yes, so please be on the lookout for a DM from us today. But on with the episode. Sis, what do we have going on for today? Today we have a short episode for you. We'll be talking about Kathy Page, who was found dead on the side of the road 100 yards from her home. Was it an accident or was this a staged scene? Let's find out. In the early hours of May 14, 1991, a paperboy called the police stating that there was a car stuck in a ditch near his route. Police arrived at the scene and quickly noticed that there was a person inside the vehicle. The officers approached the vehicle and noticed there was only one person inside the car, who by now police stated was noticeably dead. To them, this was case closed. A driver who lost control of their vehicle drove into the ditch and died from the impact. But we all know that things aren't always what they seem. As police walked around the exterior of the car, it was very apparent that there was minimal damage to the front bumper of the car. How is that possible? No clue. You lose control of your vehicle and drive into a ditch? You're messing up the bumper. Exactly. So now officers are a bit confused. Their next move is to identify the driver. They open the car door to find the driver in an odd position. And how is that? Well, if you were to imagine a person driving into a ditch on accident, how would their body be posed? Um, maybe hunched over to the steering wheel? Foot on the brake? Okay, um, how about the belongings inside the vehicle? What would those look like? I mean, maybe as if they've been tossed around inside the vehicle? Okay, so would you believe that a person found sitting back on the seat, head resting on the headrest, and feet nowhere near the pedals with the interior of the vehicle untouched, drinks unspilled, had driven into a ditch? Absolutely not. Yeah, this is exactly how police found who they later identified as Kathy Page. Not only had they found her dead body, but it became pretty clear that this was a staged scene. Kathy had marks around her neck indicating strangulation, a black eye, and a broken nose. And I know you are all wondering who Kathy Page is, so let us give you a little bit of a background on Kathy and what led to her body being found that morning. Before that, sis, um, does this car belong to Kathy? Yes, this is Kathy's car and she was in the driver's seat. 
I really couldn't find much early life information on Kathy, and I think this is due to the fact that this case took place in the tiniest yet very much racist town of Vidor, Texas. In 2020, the population of Vidor, according to census.gov, was less than 11,000 people, which seems like a lot, but compared to the neighboring city of Beaumont, Texas, which is home to over 118,000 people, Vidor is tiny. And we're going to find out just how tiny it is when you see how badly handled this investigation was. At the time that she was found dead, Kathy had been married to her husband Steve for over 12 years. The couple had two daughters, Erin, who was 11, and Monica, who was 8. Kathy and Steve had actually separated because according to Steve, Kathy was just over the marriage. Just over the marriage? You don't just get over a marriage, especially when there's children involved. Well, that's what Steve said, but Kathy's sister Sherry called BS. According to Sherry, Kathy had confided in her that the marriage was too far gone. According to Kathy, Steve would often put his hands on her during arguments, pushing her and shoving her to the ground to intimidate her. Before separating, Steve was already sleeping on the couch, but with time, Kathy asked him to move out of their home, so he did. Just days before, Kathy was found dead. Kathy had already told Sherry that she would be filing for divorce in the upcoming weeks. Hmm, this is very sus. A couple days go by and it's now Mother's Day, Sunday, May 12th. The family decides that they should spend more time together, mainly because of the kids. Steve later explains that the day went by smoothly and when they returned to Vider, he decided to head back to his apartment. The following day, Monday the 13th, Steve headed over to the home where he helped get Erin and Monica ready for school. I know it probably seems kind of weird that they're separated and it seems like he's always around, um, but keep in mind that Steve had moved out only days before this and they had yet to tell their daughters that there was something going on, so they try to keep some normalcy in the home. Which is totally understandable. Exactly, and Steve was around a lot, which is what both Steve and Kathy had agreed to. Um, once they realized that they were separating. So anyways, both parents go about their day, and in the afternoon, they headed to the park because Erin and Monica had baseball games. Monica's team played first, and when her game ended, Kathy decided to head home, leaving Steve and Erin at the park since Erin's game wasn't over. Was she planning on driving back to pick him up, or...? Oh, my bad. I forgot to mention that Steve and Kathy drove to the park separately, so Steve was just going to drive Erin home after the game. Oh, okay. But yes, Steve drove back to the home, dropped off Erin, and headed back to his apartment around 9.30 or 10 p.m. Was... Steve seen another woman at this time or no um not that we're aware of at least okay and we're gonna talk a little bit more about why they ended up separating uh kind of um in a little bit so like I said Steve dropped off Aaron around 9 30 or 10 p.m and an hour later Kathy called Steve and asked if he could come over to watch the girls since her friend Charlotte had just invited her to go out I don't know where Steve thought that she was going because I lived in Beaumont for a bit, which is right next door to Vider and way bigger than Vider is. And believe me when I say that there's absolutely nothing to do there past 10 p.m. 
But nonetheless, Steve drove over to their home, and this is where the story kind of loses me. What do you mean? Realistically, you want to believe the story from the point of view of the people that were there, right? But Steve's account of what happened is kind of iffy to say the least. Well, what did he say happened? According to Steve, when he arrived to the house, Kathy opened the door in her towel, which isn't weird in my opinion, but he said that in the heat of the moment, they began kissing, and that led to touching, which led to sex. And you don't believe him or... Well, I'm going to get into that in a second. But anyways, Steve said that they had sex, finished, and Kathy rushed to get dressed to head out since she had plans with Charlotte. Steve said that she was wearing blue jeans and a green blouse, that she had done her makeup and had jewelry on, and that she left the house around 11.30 p.m. Which is pretty late for Monday night plans. And pretty late for Beaumont or vider in general like i said this is monday night at 10 p like past 10 p.m there's there's nothing to do but anyways at around 4 a.m we come back to the beginning of the story where kathy is found in the ditch dead in her car as mentioned they discover she had a broken nose and a black eye as well as marks on her neck which indicated that she had been strangulated when the police found kathy she was dressed in the same clothing described by steve later on but had no jewelry or makeup on. Where did her makeup go? That's part of the mystery, I suppose. Maybe it got washed away whenever she was punched or hit by an ap- by an impact. But I feel like her whole makeup, she was barefaced, so like no makeup at all. Uh, yeah, if you're crying and you get punched in the face or something, yeah. you might have like runny mascara, but she was like barefaced, like if she had just washed her face. Okay. The police had investigators take pictures of the scene, and at around 5 a.m., police arrived at the Page's home, which, to their surprise, was only about 100 yards away from the scene of the crime. Officers knock on the door of the Page's home and are greeted by Steve. Police deliver the news that Kathy had been found dead in a ditch, but not because of the impact. Kathy had been murdered. Steve began to ugly cry, throwing himself on the couch and screaming. But this was all for show. Police officers quickly noticed that there was not a single teardrop coming from Steve's eyes, and if you are really crying the way Steve was pretending to, you shed a couple. Later on, Steve would testify to waking up just before police knocked on his door. He had woken up surprised that Katie still had not made it home. He decided to call Charlotte since that's who she said she'd be out with that night. And when Charlotte answered, she confirmed that her and Kathy had been out together, but that they went their separate ways around 3 a.m. Little did we know that Charlotte was just covering for her good friend. She had not met up with Kathy that night. Instead, Kathy had met up with an unidentified boyfriend of hers in a motel in Beaumont. Boyfriend? Well, he's unidentified to us, but police know who he is. Okay, but she had a boyfriend already? Since Steve had moved out of the house and it was clear that the both of them were no longer together, Kathy wasted no time hitting the dating scene. And I don't know if you've heard before that women emotionally break up with their partners long before they actually leave them. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we do this, but by the time that Kathy had separated from Steve, she was completely over him. So much so that it was easy for her to start dating again. And again, like I said, I don't blame her, but Steve definitely did not like this, which is why she kept it a secret. After police left, Steve called his in-laws, who arrived to the page home in less than 10 minutes. Steve relayed the story to his in-laws, and at this point, somehow, Steve mentioned that Kathy had been seeing another man. 
He made sure to make that point, but for some odd reason, decided to keep out the fact that Kathy had been strangled to death. Why? I really don't know. And at first, when I was first researching the story, like, that didn't seem odd to me until I was really putting it together that I realized that inconsistency. So I had to make it a point. It wasn't until later that day, once her parents had left Kathy's home, that they heard the news that she had been murdered, not found dead after a car accident. And it was because of this that Kathy's parents, Dorothy and James, began to suspect Steve as the culprit. The following day, this is now Wednesday the 15th, Jimmy, Kathy's brother, visited Steve and his nieces. He straight up asked Steve if he was responsible for Kathy's death. Of course not, Steve says. He proceeds to tell Jimmy that Kathy had been seeing other men. Again, why is he pointing this out? Why is he making this a point? Um, but I guess he was doing it to kind of take the heat off himself, but it doesn't help. Steve's defensiveness only makes Jimmy suspect him even more. Later in the week, on Friday, Kathy's funeral was held and Steve's behavior was noted as odd by the family. Now, I am not one to speak on how anybody deals with grief and loss. I definitely think we all have a right to express that as we please, but the family noted that Steve was no longer crying like he had initially. He now looks sad and tired, but he wasn't crying. Around the same time, Kathy's family reported seeing Steve rent a carpet cleaning machine, and they found this strange. So did I. Steve had been very adamant about not letting police search his home, swearing that they would plant evidence in his home, but Kathy's family demanded that they issue a search warrant regardless. Unfortunately, a search warrant would come three years too late. Kathy's parents followed up with the police department to kind of figure out what evidence they had, regardless of whether or not it pointed to Steve, and that's when they received even more devastating news. Unfortunately, there was no crime scene photos available because the damn crime scene photographer forgot to insert the film. Oh no, you have to be kidding me. I really wish I was. So what evidence do the police have? Literally none. They were not even working the case. And I don't know if that was because of the lack of evidence they physically had, or because according to Dorothy, Kathy's mom, Steve's parents were really close friends with the police department chief at the time. So this is all a big sweep under the rug kind of thing. It's looking like it. Even more so when Monica, the youngest daughter, and her maternal grandparents filed a civil suit against Steve for the wrongful death of Kathy. And one. Wait, so he was held liable for her death in civil court, but can and probably won't be held liable in criminal court? That's correct. How does that even make sense? I really don't know. I mean, I guess technically, to convict someone of murder, you can't just show up and say, I think this person is guilty based on circumstantial evidence alone. So what's the running theory here? Well, what most people suspect is that Steve had found out that Kathy had not gone out with Charlotte on the 13th and that he found out that she was meeting someone at a motel. But how did he know that? I think she might have had a number written down somewhere and I'm guessing he must have been going through her stuff like when she left, saw a number he didn't recognize, called it, and when the motel answered, he knew. Okay, so then what? Well, people believe he waited until Kathy got home later in the early morning hours, like around 2 or 3 a.m., confronted Katie, and when a fight ensues, one thing leads to one thing leads to another, and Steve strangles Kathy to death. Once Steve realizes that Kathy's dead, he needs to figure out how to distance himself from the situation. 
He gets inside Kathy's car, drives 100 yards from their home, slowly drives into a ditch, gets out, places Kathy in the driver's seat, posts her body, and walks home. An hour later, her body is found, and the story begins again. I mean, honestly, that makes sense. And I really think he is guilty. Unfortunately, thanks to incompetent police officers, there has yet to be a conviction. James, Kathy's dad, continues to voice his opinion. He believes Steve is guilty as well, even continuing to pay a billboard on I-10, asking the public to help bring justice to his daughter, Kathy. Thank you for listening to the Sisters in Crime podcast. You can find all pictures related to this case by visiting our Instagram at Sisters in Crime Pod or our Facebook page, Sisters in Crime Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Until then, bye! bye.